We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody welcome to week two of the pro football focus show here on roto grinders i am Britt divine here with my man ian harditz uh ian week two or uh week one uh we finally got to learn a little bit about these teams week two we get to exploit it in dfs sports betting uh looks like it's going to be a, a fun week for week two Love it, man. Giants in the football team kicked us off with a nice start. That game looked so ugly. I think it had the single lowest total on the week. Crushed it. Entertained us. Hopefully, it's just a sign of much more to come. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk. Uh, so this week, right, we got a little bit of data, not just from the NFL, uh, but I've got some from the Millionaire Maker, too. I do that big review article here on Roto-Grinders. Maybe I'll mix in a little bit of that stuff, too. A very uh, odd week, I guess I could say, week one, the lowest ownership uh, combined of all the lineups, the most low on plays that had ever been in the top 10 lineups of the millionaire maker in the last three years of me tracking it. So week one in DFS, none of us knew what we were really talking about in these large field tournaments. Hopefully we could do a little bit better week two. Uh, but Ian, we always start off these shows uh, looking at one of your main articles over on P- uh, pro football focus, uh, the mismatch manifesto uh, is what we like to call it here. Uh, I've got a keyed up uh, explosion rate. So these are big passing plays these are, uh, you know, teams that can score a lot of points, um, pass, run. Uh, let's talk about some of the big mismatches in week two that uh, maybe we can translate to DFS. 
yeah, seeing really three quarterbacks truly set up the ball, trying to push the ball downfield. That's Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Matthew Stafford. And like, I love when these add up, and we don't even need to add you know a ton of extra stats behind because if anyone watched all three of these guys play in Week One, they each look fantastic. So we'll get into you know potential stacks here in a little bit, but I will say, man, I gotta love that Sunday night discount we're getting here. Stafford, Cooper Cup, especially, and even Robert Woods. Hell, Tyler Higby too, man. Like I think the Rams just have a chance to be maybe the best team in the NFC if what we saw was even close to real. So, you know, Tampa Bay is still going to hold that mantle. We'll go with second best in the NFC to be a little bit uh, less controversial there. And on the other end of things, man, we were talking before the show about like just loving the Rams against the Colts this week. I still just think Indy's getting way too much respect from both a betting perspective and in terms of their like defense. It's a lot easier to be a better defense when you have Phillip Rivers controlling the entire game. Not so much when you got Carson Wentz killing other every other drive, you know, with one bad sack after another. So as it adds up, Wentz and then Mr. Ryan Tannehill and Matt Ryan are looking like the guys that could be in the most uh, trouble. I want to refrain from putting too much into the horrendous week one performances from Green Bay and Tennessee. With that said, man, you look behind the scenes a little bit in Tennessee in particular. Last year, Ryan Tannehill was number one in the league in most in the highest play action rate. Week one, he was 30th. So Arthur Smith leaves Tennessee and he screws up that offense and he goes to Atlanta and he screws up that offense. So I'm not exactly sure, uh, you know, what, what's uh, going on with him tanking two different teams, but not looking good. Again, though, I think there's too much talent in Tennessee to win out eventually. Like, all right, it's really Julio Jones and AJ Brown are going to stay quiet for much longer. I don't think so. So I'd be more concerned about not Ryan and Carson Wentz out of that group. Yeah, Tennessee, I guess uh, this will go into some of the, the GPP leverage things, but if the Tennessee receivers and Ryan Tannehill can get going, um, that game looks with, I think a lot of people are going to be using Chris Carson at running back, get a little bit of leverage yeah. in the passing game. But we'll, cool. we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, some of the other things we talk about here in your main article uh, are going to be uh, situate the pace, right? So pace, big thing, more plays better more fantasy points possible to be scored low pace not something we like in dfs what are some of the matchups we can expect here based you know and do you is this just based off week one or are you still looking at anything in the past or are we taking week one as the new gospel of what we can think about in pace? it's week one as the new gospel so again i think in the explosive play one we actually saw like pretty good offenses adding up but with a couple of these you know we'll point out why we probably shouldn't be quite as obsessed uh with these numbers but you know the two matchups uh popping off the most in terms of just you know more resembling a track meet having a bunch of plays back and forth the bills at the dolphins and the falcons at the buccaneers which are interesting man because i actually like this is why i like uh, this article so much because i see these matchups and i do start to get more intrigued by the possibilities because everyone and their mother you know just wants to be on the cowboys at the chargers uh this week and then you know we can talk ourselves into some rams some browns but i don't think anyone's really looking at bills at dolphins and especially you know falcons at buccaneers maybe as much as we should be so obviously all the talent in the world in tampa bay we just got to figure out who the ball is going to go to and then having bounce back performances from ridley and pitts after they burned everyone last week i do think makes some sense as bad as that falcons offense is hey gpp you're trying to you know uh, leverage people's missed uh, bad feelings from week one i think it could be a way to do it and then for buffalo and miami like i'm again i'm not 
I would say out of all those teams that really look bad in week one, I'm the least concerned about the Bills. Great Steelers defense. And, you know, the Bills, they, I feel like they probably just got another offensive holding called uh, on them by the time this episode started. Like it was ridiculous the amount of good plays they had taken off the board. And then with the Dolphins, like I was refraining from these receivers until finding out today that Will Fuller will not be out. Well, he will be out this week uh, because of a personal reason. So now we have Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle expecting to soak up most of the target share again. Just pretty easy to run it back uh, with one of them from the Buffalo stack. So uh, Saints and Panthers looking a little bit slower. Lions and Green Bay on Monday night. I would say, you know, generally with pace, I'm putting more stock into the faster ones uh, than the slow ones. So we can still just see slow paced offense be awfully efficient, put up plenty of points. If any of you guys are watching this live on YouTube, I've got the pace pulled up. Blue is good. So this is seconds per play combined, right? So when you see Buffalo at Miami, 52 seconds per play combined, that's great compared to New Orleans at Carolina, which is 65.8. That's a very slow game. So if you are watching this on YouTube, uh, you, you will be able to take advantage of that. And while you're there, right, click the like, click the subscribe button on Roto-Grinders feed, get you access to all the shows, everything we do here at Roto-Grinders to help you out with all your DFS, sports betting, and all sorts of fun stuff we do here at Roto-Grinders. All right, let's move on to pressure. We saw this. This is really playing out this year in uh, the NFL. You can just see the teams that are just mismatched on the offensive line. They have no shot anymore, I think, in, in the NFL. There's just no way for them to keep up or pass the ball or score points, their quarterbacks get killed. This is something I think is, is more relevant than ever. What are some big mismatches for week, week two? So I would say uh, this is where I think some of the week one flukiness could be applying a tad like the Jaguars racked up all kinds of pressure on Tyrod Taylor. Not that it made that huge of a difference against them, but you know, we, we see, easily see the top quarterbacks in the league in pressure you know, for every maybe out of the 10 worst uh, ones, maybe three or four of them are really undone by the offensive line. A lot of the other ones that are just quarterbacks that tend to hold the ball for longer and maybe they should, and they just, you know, wind up, Hey, it's harder to prevent pressure in five seconds than it is uh, compared to three. So with that said, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, and Ryan Tannehill standing out as the primary culprits. You know, Seattle, they were able to get to Wentz. And with Jamal Adams, like, he can make fun of the guy all you want about his coverage ability, but he does do a good job getting after the quarterback. So I guess that's just the question. You know, can Seattle get after Tennessee? Because, man, if they're going to have to bring pressure to get after Tannehill and you're leaving Julio and AGB on the, uh, you know, on islands on the outside, that's problematic if they can get into space. So I like your call there on, uh, you know, trying to leverage that and maybe look at uh, the receivers in that game versus the running backs. So uh, quarterbacks that could have all day to throw, Justin Herbert, who, you know, really just looked awesome last week outside of one uh, pretty bad red zone pick. Also, Tom Brady, we talked about the Falcons and Buccaneers game already, and Tua, uh, Bills and Dolphins. So Daniel Jones was popping, and credit to him, man. He played a pretty good game. It wasn't his fault they lost that. Darius Slayton could have definitely came down with that one ball on his fingertips, and that was a pretty weak holding penalty on, you know, that long touchdown run he had. So credit to Daniel Jones. Uh, it's too bad the Giants are kind of doing what they're doing elsewhere in that organization. All right, let's look at the run game, yards before contact. This is how far the running back travels before he gets contacted, how far the defense lets the running back go before they're able to get a hand on them. We like our running backs to get more yardage before contact. We like them to get as many yards as possible. 
Uh, what are some big mismatches in the running backs this week? Because I think the running backs, at least for DFS, it's looking very, very chalky uh, out there, in my opinion, today. Is there anything different we can put our eyes on this week? And just real quick, anyone with Saquon and redraft, like this chart should tell you why you don't need to be super worried at the moment because that was by far the worst case matchup of the entire week. I think when the Falcons uh, come to town in week three, we'll see Saquon looking much more like his former self. But Eagles are looking fantastic on the ground against the 49ers. And quietly, man, Miles Sanders, that was only a two-back committee. You know, Kenneth Gamewell uh, got the touchdown and all that. But Miles Sanders, I think, is someone that we should be higher on than we were a month ago based on how this backfield has played out. Cleveland Browns smash spot against the Texans. You know, curious to see the disparity in ownership between Chubb and Hunt because I don't see any way really both those guys don't smash this week. And then, you know, if you're a gambling man, uh, and I know you are, Britt, but I don't even know if you're this <laughs> reckless with a tip. I'm not Bay. playing any Tampa Bay right now. I was about you to say <laughs> <laughs> that's going a little bit too far but they are set up pretty well this is this is one of those things though where you see the eagles popping because they were that good against the falcons so now whoever the falcons are playing uh popping as well so on the other side of things you know no one wants to touch jets running backs anyways good uh david montgomery and alvin kamara aren't set up all that well we know alvin will get the targets David Montgomery did not have the same role he had at the end of last year in week one when he was balling out. Low-key last year, Montgomery had the fifth most fantasy points from purely receiving production in the league. He only had one target last week. Like They pretty much used Damian Williams as Tariq Cohen. When Tariq Cohen was out last year, Cordero Patterson was like a 10-snap per game, more gadget guy. Damien split this up a little more. So I'm kind of fading the idea of Montgomery, who's great in early downs, but hey, we're, we're playing full PPR here on DraftKings. Like I'm fading him more so uh, than other guys, despite how good he's looked. Because again, I think this usage is going to cause him to fall back to the RB2 landscape sooner rather than later. All right, let's go to the passing game, combined passing yards per drop back. This is usually efficient offenses that maybe throw the ball down the field a little bit and are able to move the ball with ease. What are some matchups? You know, this is good for, for game stacks, possibly. If you get two good offenses like this, it could be fireworks. Uh, the, you know, the chalk game of the week is going to be the Dallas uh, Chargers game. Does that fit into something we'd want to use, or is there something else? That game's just going to draw a lot of ownership. Is there anything else that's really standing out to you? The Texans-Browns, if you want to get a little contrarian, we all know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are set up well, but why couldn't Baker throw for 300-plus and a couple uh, touchdowns? No OBJ, which means Jarvis Landry should be pretty condensed. And, you know, if you throw that dart at uh, Schwartz or Donovan Peoples-Jones in the 3K range, you know, they're either going to catch a long touchdown or they're going to do absolutely nothing. So you can run that back with Brandon Cook. That was great to see, you know, him still able to put up a big game with Tyrod under center and credit to Tyrod. The guy played really well, man. So it's, I'm, I think the bigger lesson from the Houston game was how bad Jacksonville is, but I do think the offense looked competent enough to do a Brown stack and then run it back with one receiver from Houston. So that'd be the one uh, big takeaway. The, the Rams looking great, which uh, we all know. So the one thing I would only caution with the Bengals, they look set up well. We saw Chase hit the big play, like Burrow looked fine throwing it. But, you know, per underdog fantasies, Hayden Winks, they, their situation uh, neutral pass rate was just 32%. That was like 7% below even the second uh, most pass adverse team. So I'm concerned that we have enough volume for all these Bengals receivers to keep it going. Like before Burrow got hurt last year, he was number one in the league in total dropbacks. We're not seeing that right now. So that's great for Joe Mixon. Uh, but in terms of taking advantage of this passing game in this spot, I'm just a little worried about these guys having true blow up potential with only seven or eight targets potentially. 
All right. That's going to do it for the Mismatch Manifesto part of the show. If you want to check out any of Ian's articles, uh, you can get that on Pro Football Focus. And uh, again, a plug, hat tip for you. Uh, my favorite uh, game by game uh, is definitely the uh, one you do with Dwayne McFarland. Uh, I think that comes out on that. Wednesdays. Yep. Uh, that is a must listen, in my opinion. It's long, right? You got to set up like your whole day. You got to put eight hours aside to listen to it. It's really, I think it was about two hours. It was two it this well- week. That one stressed <laughs> on for sure. It's well worth it if you guys uh, want to get uh, some really top tier information from two of the best out there. Sure. Uh, all right, Ian, let's jump into uh, a couple bets of the week because, dude, we sucked last week. I, we're going to be full, uh, fully transparent and I'm going to keep track of these all year long. Because uh, I went one and two, you took the bagel last week. So combined, we went one and five. So we're going to flip that around this week and we're going six and oh, we're both on some of the same stuff this week. So I'm just going to rattle off mine. The first one, the Chiefs minus three and a half. This was, I looked at this right before the show. So this is probably available. All these are available to you probably right now. This makes no sense to me. The Chiefs are amazing. The Ravens just lost to the Raiders, and they're, they're just they're, they got so many injuries going on the Ravens. I don't care if they're on the road. This is a complete mismatch, in my opinion. And getting a three and a half on the Chiefs, it's just too short. This might be four, five, six by the time Sunday comes around, in my opinion. Once some of the sharp people probably get on it. Arizona minus four. Uh, this is this isn't very hard to see. Minnesota. I don't know if I really believe on them. You thought the Mike Zimmer defense might be better. It's not uh, news newsflash. It's not Arizona. So good. Kyler Murray is legit until if, and when he gets hurt again, this offense is going to hum along. I think Arizona at home minus four, this seems too short. I see that going to five or six. And then the other one is pretty easy. The Rams minus three and a half. This is a legitimate Super Bowl team against Carson Wentz. I don't really need to break it down much easier than that. So those are my three bets. I already bet all these, but the chiefs earlier in the week, I'm going to the sports book right after the show uh, to get some chiefs. I like the Steelers too, but that's not one, you know, I've only put my top three in here. Uh, I like the Steelers again. I liked them last week uh, and I like them to beat the Raiders who are also very injured playing on a short week. Uh, it just doesn't really fare too well for them, but chiefs, Arizona Rams. I'm on the favorites. I don't like the underdogs this weekend. I am with you. And that's why I actually have some over unders as my main picks, because I put in a parlay earlier this week as I was going through articles and starting to feel good about certain matchups with two of your picks in the Rams and the Cardinals. I also threw in the Seahawks sitting at minus 255 at home against the Titans. But I would say, like, I feel better about the Chiefs taking down the Ravens than I do the Seahawks and Titans. I'm fine going with all four of them in there. But yeah, with those, and if you don't want to lay the points and just go money line, at least with my Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks one, 100 to win 218 very fine with that value so some of the over-unders i like again based on some of the offensive uh, passing success uh, predictive rates we were talking about and then also just the pace i think bills in miami could go over 48 pretty easily i mean this miami defense hasn't come close to stopping josh allen their last few matchups i think Tua, you know okay he's not fantastic at this point in his career but i still think he's a capable guy of at least you know scoring the 20 or 24 points we'll need then after getting a josh allen 30 point performance so happy with them the Cowboys and the Cowboys and Chargers over 54 and a half man we were saying this last year when the season started with Dak like we need to start betting the over on this until it's starting with a six because the Cowboys what we saw last week is they can put up 30 points on anybody and also anybody can put up 30 points on the Cowboys particularly now with Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory out so like one of the crazier stats we had at PFF was Justin Herbert only being pressured
pressured on two of his like 40 dropbacks or whatever it was last week. Like even without those injuries, I think we'd be feeling pretty good about Herbert and this Chargers offense against the Cowboys. Now with them, it's like there's only so much Michael Parsons can do. Yeah, I like his favorites. I like that over. It's, you know, the overs always seem to go up on the, the shootout games as the week progresses. It was with Arizona, too. I noticed on, like, Monday it was 52, then it was 53, then it was 54. They just keep going up. So one edge, uh, always, if you do have a lean on a game, uh, check it out a little earlier in the week on a Monday or Tuesday before all the information comes out because um, some of these shootout games do tend to the, – the, the overs do tend to move quite a bit by the time Sunday comes around. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention if you are watching on YouTube uh, and you're like, hey, is there another way I can listen to this? Uh, we do have the Roto-Grinders uh, fantasy football uh, podcast feed. You can find that on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, great way to listen to it on the go. That's uh, that's my preferred way to digest. You put everything on one and a half speed. If you're a sicko, you can do two X speed. Um, but sometimes uh, a lot of people talk fast out there. I sort of lose my mind on two and a half, two, two X. Uh, but yeah, check us out on the Roto Grinders podcast feed uh, if you are watching this on YouTube. Not just this show, but everything else uh, we produce here at Roto Grinders. All right, let's get to quarterbacks. Uh, so what we do here, we do cash plays, and then we talk a little bit of GPP slash leverage. Uh, to maybe take advantage of some other players that will be higher owned at other positions that maybe you could use their counterpart at quarterback and get a lot lower ownership on. So for cash this week, I, it's, I don't, I don't know. It's pretty simple. You've got one guy in here. That's a little different, but for me, I'm not messing around with the cheap guys. There's Herbert in the shootout game against Dallas. He's too cheap on both sites for sure. It was so efficient. You just mentioned didn't really get pressured. I don't think Dallas is really going to be able to pressure him at all this week. And if they do bring a lot of players, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams in his new role. I mean, I think Justin Herbert's going to be able to tear them apart. If you want a little bit of the running quarterback, there's absolutely no reason to move away from Jalen Hurts either. I think those are probably the two options in the mid-tier. If you have money, you can spend on quarterback this week. There, there's no denying Kyler Murray. If you want 30 fantasy points a game, play Kyler Murray. And, you know, he, he just looks like he's going to get that every single week. Uh, he was doing it all last year until he got hurt. He started off week one looking like Kyler Murray of early last season. And I have no reason to believe he won't do it anymore. But DFS is a game of salary. He does cost a lot. But, um, I mean, 30 fantasy points, lock it in with Kyler Murray, in my opinion. Uh, you got a couple guys you were looking at in cash. Uh, you got Teddy Bridgewater. I can get behind this. Anybody against Jacksonville, until Jacksonville shows us they can play defense, I, I can maybe get on board that, but not my cup of tea generally. I would go, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts in my cash lineup. But if you want to go cheap, I think Teddy Bridgewater is your guy. I think last week I said, like Sam Darnold, if you wanted to go cheap, was your guy. But let's, we don't need to. Let's go up and get Jalen Hurts. So that's how I feel about Teddy. Like you said, Jacksonville matchup. And it's also just so cheap to stack him with either Hamler, 3,800, Noah Fant, 4,200. Even Corlin Sutton only costs 5,200 in this spot. So I think all the Broncos receivers are set up well. And credit to Teddy for really having a great game last week. I mean, he had two separate stiff arms on the same drive where like it allowed him to evade pressure and complete the pass hit KJ Hamler in the chest on a 50 what should have been a 50 yard touchdown but the dude uh dropped it so Teddy at 5400 he gives you you know 20 rushing yards per game I think that's the cheapest you can go but let's go let's go Jalen Hurts man I mean at the end of the day you take his rushing attempts and five starts uh average of that times 16 it would be good for the second most in a season ever behind only uh 2019 Lamar Jackson so easy stack with Devontae Smith at a 5400 all the jail hurts yeah what about in tournaments there's a couple of guys i'll let you talk about your guy first because I, I i think you've got stafford and the i 
I guess the problem with him, and I don't, I don't have a problem with him, but his tart, especially on DraftKings, Cup and Woods are so cheap. I think it's going to end up being reasonably popular. Yeah, that's fair if, if those get there, but they are so cheap, man. That's the point. Like we can get a cup for 6K and rugs, rugs, or woods, rugs for 57. Never rugs. <laughs> <laughs> I think the stack might be uh, Stafford, Woods, who should be, I, I think he'll go a little bit lower owned than uh, Cup. And then Tyler Higby at 4,100, yeah. who I think people will be paying up at that position uh, more times than not or going all the way down. So I would say that stack is doable. But yeah, even if we don't get the volume, man, we still still just have 300 yards and three touchdowns potentially in our back pocket. I mean, Stafford went for that against this defense last year and a significantly worse system uh, with the lions. So it took Russ only 23 attempts last week to go for 254 and four touchdowns versus this defense. And, you know, Russ is basically running the Rams offense with uh, Waldron over there now. So I think, uh, you know, this Rams team, again, I, I don't see the Colts really coming close to slowing them down. Stafford's the engine of it. Sign me up. I don't, we'll see, man. Henderson might be the one that ends up fetching a lot of the uh, roster ship there. Whichever one's uh, lower on it. Let's get that guy. All right. A couple uh, GPP leverage plays at quarterback for me. One would be Russell Wilson. You know, he, he's more expensive than both Dak Prescott and Justin Herbert. And people, the, the thing that gives you leverage with Russell Wilson this week is people are on Chris Carson. So Carson's going to be 20-ish percent owned in tournaments and stuff like that. Uh, what's to say Russell Wilson can't just do what he always does, throw bombs to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And maybe he has to throw a little bit more because I don't think the Titans can be that bad all season long. So if they're pushed a little bit more, Russ could certainly get you there. He is a little bit more expensive, but it does give you a completely different lineup construction than the people stacking the Dallas Chargers game. And the other one is Big Ben because uh, Najee Harris, he's part of the 100% snap screw. There's a couple guys. Tyler Higby's in there too, right? So all these 100% snap players are going to be pretty popular. Uh, give me some Big Ben uh, thrown to all of his low-owned wide receivers. Uh, I think Deontay Johnson's probably going to be the one that most people would pair with Big Ben. Uh, but I think you can go with uh, a couple of other ones as well. Uh, so yeah, Steelers, Russell Wilson, my tournament quarterbacks. Uh, let's go... Oh, actually, real quick here. I got I to tell you guys about something I did last night. So I played on Jock Market last night. So basically the ad I read at week one, it got me to play on Jock Market week two. So congratulations to Jock Market because uh, it got me to do exactly what they wanted me to do. And I had a blast playing on Jock Market. So it's basically like a DFS stock market. Uh, you can check them out. Daily Fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a hundred percent deposit bonus up to $50 using promo code grinders. And just like week one, if you don't turn a profit in week two, jock market will cover your expenses up to, uh, I believe a hundred dollars. So what I did, I put all my money on Kenny Galladay last night. Not a good idea. Uh, I lost most of my money, but jock market did give me that guarantee and it worked out great. I got my hundred dollars back in my account. Um, so make sure to check that out. Use promo code grinders for your hundred percent deposit bonus up to $50. And it's also risk-free up to that hundred dollars for week two. check it out. Um, buy, sell players in real time. I had a blast doing it last night uh, and I'm going to try it again on Sunday. So Let's move to running back and hey, Brett, uh, real quick, uh, yep. big, big running back news. Uh, Josh yep. Jacobs out. Oh, he is out. All right. So are we, Kenyon Drake? He's going to play like every snap. Is he? I think so. It was Jacobs and Drake last week. All right. Well, what you digest that and see if like, uh, if, if you want to use him, cause I wasn't, 
I don't know if you need him against the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to cruise in this game, but Drake does do some of the passing game. Um, you don't need him, need him, but I'll say, I mean, him over like, he's now the, he's now has the highest touch projection of any sub 5K back easily. Yeah. Um, well, opposite of him in that game is the 100% crew, Najee Harris. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what's going on. The sites must just take into, only into account uh, fantasy production because they did, certainly didn't take into account the snap rate. And he's going up against Las Vegas and the Ravens were running all over them. Now, some of that is Lamar Jackson, but uh, um, everybody but uh, Latavius Murray. I mean, Latavius Murray did not look good. I don't know. The Ravens basically gave that game away by playing Latavius Murray too much, in my opinion. Um, Najee Harris looks really good in cash. After that, I know you're always on Team Jamamin CMC, 27 DraftKings points without even getting a touchdown. If that's the floor, the floor is probably a little lower, but if that's a reasonable floor for him, there's ways to get him into lineups. Other than that, now you've got Kenyon Drake, who I, I think um, I'll have to assess that after the show here. Um, but you got the mid-tier guys with Chris Carson. Uh, you got Henderson from the Rams, who basically play, got every high-value touch. I do think Sony Michelle will maybe creep in an extra touch or two. But until further notice, I think this is Henderson's team. And then, of course, you got Zeke, who's just very reasonably priced, specifically on DraftKings this week. Uh, so you can do Najee with a couple of them. You can mix in Kenyon Drake. You could jam in CMC. And I think you're well on, to, uh, on your way uh, to making a good cash team this week. No, I think you're spot on. I'm jamming in CMC by going down to James O'Shaughnessy and the Eagles defense. Just a little spoiler for the rest of the cash lineup. And from there, I mean, again, if we're going Hurts to start, Najee, CMC, and I'm trying to probably put three running backs in there. I want Chris Carson over Ezekiel Elliott and even over Daryl Henderson. He already had a 70% plus snap rate and had far more pass game involvement than either guy last week. And that was with Rashad Penny taking away at least a little bit of the work. So for however long the wheels stay on with Carson uh man I think he's gonna be an RB1 and that is the case for the time being uh tournaments for leverage I couldn't really find much tournament leverage in the running back spot because you still you want running backs that score a lot of points and we all know who those guys are generally or at least the ones that are going to be on the field a lot the only way I could really see is maybe spending a little bit less so not like the Kenyon Drake I think he would certainly he'll gain steam these midweek injuries always gain a ton of steam in DFS as the week progresses uh, but I like uh, Chase Edmonds. He saw all the important, all the important snaps. Uh, you didn't really see Connor doing anything with the football when he got his touches. Uh, and if he, if Edmonds gets into the end zone based on his usage and how he's used on the field, both getting a lot of the good rushes and the PPR ability, he's at like 18 points. If he gets into the end zone at like a minimum with upside for plenty of more. So he's probably the way you get leverage at the running back position. It's just spending less than everyone else to spend a little bit more, I know you want to tout James O'Shaughnessy as many times as you can. I'll, 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 maybe I'll debate you on that one. But if you spend less at running back, maybe it gets you, um, you know, uh, Calvin Ridley, who all of it, you know, it looks like a couple of Tampa Bay cornerbacks might be out too. Maybe Calvin Ridley resurgence comes through against Tampa Bay. Maybe one of these higher priced wide receivers gets into your lineup. Uh, maybe it digs that no one might be really eyeing to use this week, right? Because he disappointed us in week one. And when I go through the millionaire maker stuff over the past couple of years, this it's just to a fault, the crowd, whatever happened last week, maybe not week two, but if the same thing happens week one and week two, week three, we, we totally forget about star players and we don't use them. So just keep an eye on that as the season progresses. If Diggs has another down week and his ownership continues to drop, that's when you pounce on these guys. These star players are always in line for big games, but Edmonds at the running back position, probably one of the, the small ways I can get a little bit of leverage. 
Yeah, I mean, I was loving Evans last week, you know, echoing a lot of those same thoughts about just being able to really, if you ignore the lower price wide receivers in favor of the lower price running backs, I think it just naturally uh, gives your lineup a little bit more of a contrarian nature. And I think it might be that way just from now on, man. Was it last year or two years ago when they changed the pricing scale for running backs? Like now that it is a 4K floor instead of that 3K floor, mm -hmm. I just think we're always going to find better value at wide receiver because they have the lower overall floor. So I have had, uh, you know, definitely Edmonds as someone to consider as well. But I think my favorite GPP player running back this week, man, is Jonathan Taylor up there at 7,200. You know, we'll see how some of the uh, ownership stuff comes out. But I think people are a little bit down on him um, coming after last week. He had a touchdown that unfortunately got called back uh, on a hold that, I don't know, man, it's Jonathan Taylor at the one-yard line. Did that really make that big of a difference with it? But as long as he is just going to be healthy, which, hey, there's – he freaking is at the moment. I don't think he's going to see the same sort of ownership as Eckler, as Mixon, as Chubb. So, you know, it's feeling good about his what his workload was, even in a bad situation last week. The Colts were down multiple scores from the pretty much duration of that game, and he still had 24 combined carries and targets. So Naeem Hines got his too, but most importantly, there wasn't a Marlon Mack or Jordan Wilkins to uh, really make this a three-headed backfield. So I had a, I forget his name, but I had a, a Twitter follower just uh, make the point about Jonathan Taylor. What if Taylor and Hines could be this week's version of Swift and Jamal Williams from last week? It's two backfields where we do know they're condensed around two guys. The quarterback, I mean, for Wentz to feed as many targets as he did to these running backs last week was pretty wild and the Rams as great of a defense and as great as Aaron Donald is let's not act like they're like just these world beaters when it comes to stopping running backs Dave Montgomery last week 17 touches 118 yards and a score Aaron Jones the their last previous game in the NFC divisional round 113 total yards in the score. I mean, you know, there's plenty of examples of running backs having big games against the Rams. It's not the easiest matchup, but again, that's why he's available where he is. So I think um, Naeem Hines is, you know, a viable guy as well as with the amount of carries they give him. Uh, final note is Javante Williams at 4,400. He and Melvin Gordon had the same usage last week. Gordon just happened to be the one that scored the 70 yard touchdown. Mm -hmm. Now he's priced up 1,500. So great matchup against the Jaguars. Um, again, curious where the ownership stands on like Chubb and Hunt versus Gordon and uh, Javante. It's kind of like the poor man's version of it, of uh, them this week. All right, Ian, I'm going to squash your Kenyon Drake love right now. Question, this was asked to uh, John Gruden. Is this an opportunity for Kenyon Drake with Josh out or how do you see that? Gruden, it's an opportunity for Peyton Barber. <laughs> so, that was his... <laughs> oh. so there's more to that quote, but uh, I might have to squash a little bit of your Kenyon Drake love on that one. That oh, was directly from God. Josh. I literally just picked <laughs> him up in a season long league. Go get Peyton Barber. <laughs> That's uh, so anyway. lame. Peyton Barber, <laughs> that's what you're taking 10 million a year in for Gruden. Peyton Barber. Hey, Raiders gonna Raider, right? So let's go to wide receiver. We'll move on from the Kenyon Drake show. a uh, couple cash plays here. So Chargers, Cowboys, pick a receiver from that game. You I don't think you can go wrong if they end up in your cash lineup. Some are more expensive, some are a little cheaper, but all four of the main targets uh, between Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen. And Mike Williams are probably all in play at the wide receiver position. Cooper Cup is probably one of my favorite price plays for cash games on both sites. Just way too cheap after we got the Monday night discount. Uh, or was that the Sunday night discount? I forget which game. Well, I'm on to week two already. But either way, uh, his performance was not factored into salary on either site. So he looked pretty good. If you need to go cheap, uh, you got Jamar Chase. I think he's just 5K Chicago. 
their defense is not going to be good at all, specifically in the secondary. Chase looked really good. And what do you know? He can catch NFL footballs. That's good to know. We saw it on live TV. And then you got, uh, I call him Cole PPR Beasley on DraftKings. Just a little bit too cheap if you want to sort of fit in. If you are trying to get CMC or you're trying to get um, Kyler Murray or something like that into a cash game, you need a little bit cheaper at wide receiver. Uh, those are a couple of my favorite targets. And I do want to mention Mike Williams on FanDuel. He's, he's way too cheap for his new role. I know Austin Eckler will catch some passes sometimes, but if Mike Williams' role has gone from the field stretcher, long dot contested catch, jump ball, 50-50 type of guy to a more consistent role while also having the, the red zone ability to catch touchdowns, that really plays well on FanDuel as your wide receiver three. So that's where I'm standing at cash, Ian. Uh, you got anybody else? Peyton freaking Barber, man. Okay, no, we <laughs> We're over it. About, it's over. We can Ian. talk about the wide receivers <laughs> at this point. Yeah, no, I got the same uh, kind of bill. I do think Devontae Smith at 5,400. The only guys that had a higher percentage of their team's air yards in Devontae last week were Debo and Tyreek Hill. So now the Eagles had fewer air yards than anyone because Jalen Hurts' average target depth was like 3.6 yards. But when they inevitably do throw the ball a bit more downfield, Devontae will be the guy with that. So I just think that, you know, if they can find themselves in a more competitive game here against the 49ers and we can see Devontae starts flirting with double digit targets more weeks than not and that 5400 he's just awfully affordable and yeah from there we have Cole Beasley who you know just quietly saw those 13 targets last week and Cooper Cup who's still getting discounted the way he is because of uh, Sunday night so all three of those guys I think make a lot of sense to get the running backs hurts uh, and yeah man and it's only possible if you pay down to James O'Shaughnessy so we'll see uh, <laughs> what you have to say about that when we get there uh, quickly with the GPP I do think you can uh, you know leverage off cuff to probably the slightly less owned Robert Woods at 5700 if you want to save some salary you said all the Cowboys receivers but specifically Cedric Wilson 3100 and I'm not sure if he's going to be coming in as popular as a lot of the other uh, you know sub 4k guys we were seeing last week Jacoby Myers at 5100 I think this is the week he scores his first receiving touchdown man I thought Mac Jones looked good yeah Aguilar scored the touchdown but uh, Jacoby was the number one guy in terms of targets I uh, mentioned Cortland Sutton earlier I think again just trying to play guys against these Jaguars that's the matchup we want to try to exploit and then finally man Chase Claypool where hey everyone's if everyone's going to be on Najee Harris here let's go get the receivers I know Deontay is the leader in overall targets and he probably will be again but Claypool man we've seen him have this double digit four freaking touchdown upside before in these games like they want to get him the ball he had a 25 yard reverse uh last week and even though the numbers weren't great he looked as good as ever Moss Tredavious White you know one of the better cornerbacks in the league down the sideline I do think uh we're gonna see a blow up from somebody in the Steelers offense this week I think Claypool has an underrated chance to be that guy yeah uh, I'm, I have the Steelers wide receivers as a great leverage play either with Big Ben that I mentioned at the quarterback position or pick one on their own I think all three are very viable as just like standalone one-offs Juju played I think he played uh, 100% of the snaps uh, don't quote me on that but I think it was basically 100 or very close to it Deontay he's great uh, he can catch footballs too drops don't matter right Ian so even if you drop the football a couple of times uh, it doesn't really matter. Big Ben has a, a serious connection with him. And you've got Claypool, too. Uh, I mentioned Russell Wilson, right? So the Seattle wide receivers, no one's playing for DK or Lockett. They're just, they're too expensive, guys. We've got Amari Cooper, and we've got CeeDee Lamb, and we've got Keenan Allen. So who needs the guys that can just score three touchdowns any single game, right? So you've got them with Russ when people are using Chris Carson to get some leverage. Uh, I had the Vikings, the Vikings wide receivers in here last week. That worked out well for Thielen if you used him as leverage off Cook. 
Uh, I don't think people are really playing Cook, but they're going to have to keep up with Arizona. Hello, that's going to be Adam Thielen, two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson is not going to get the same amount of targets as I don't even know who their third wide receiver was. I forgot. But Justin, yeah, it's not that's not going to happen probably at all the rest of the season. So keep your eye on Jefferson and Thielen. Really like them in tournaments this week. Uh, all right, let's go to tight end. You've been, you've been talking about Jay, who, who the hell? Who Like, uh, what's the Conor McGregor? I probably can't say that. Who word, the? Word. Who is that guy? <laughs> uh, yeah, who is James O'Shaughnessy? Uh, poor Jeremy Stevens had no <laughs> idea what he was walking into. So with Mr. O'Shaughnessy, last week, Manhurts ended up scoring their touchdown. But it was O'Shaughnessy who played 80% of the snaps, six catches, 48 yards on eight targets. Like, again, just to have that 2,700, man, like, worst case, he does take the zero, and we have to deal with it. But I feel like usually when we see a tight end at this cheap of a mark, it's like a backup that we're expecting to climb the depth chart. And that's where the situations usually don't come to fruition. For him to already have a game with eight targets under his belt, it could just be like this year's version of, like, C.J. Uzoma from last year. Like, the undisputed starting tight end in a pass-heavy offense that we just kind of ignore throughout the offseason and we're a little bit late to get behind so you know if you don't go O'Shaughnessy like I don't feel good about anybody really underneath Tyler Higby and Noah Fant so again just trying to have to figure out where you're going to save that 14 dollars $1,500 elsewhere that's why I'm going all the way uh, down to him and then I, I love Fant and Higby uh, as my tournament plays because I think people are either going up for Pitts, Waller, Kittle and or you know going maybe all the way down to O'Shaughnessy or, or another dart like Tyler Conklin or something like that so with Fanton Higby Fanton has a Jaguars matchup we've talked about all pod and then Higby 100% snaps as everyone their mother had to tweet you know on Sunday night and Monday morning after that look good doing so and we're also been trying to target that Rams uh, matchup against the Colts so love it when we can get someone you know in a got that great matchup and also finding that elite blend of volume as well yeah Higby and Fanton uh, I just looked at our ownership percentages here on Roto Grinders you can get that with Roto Grinders Premium uh, and you can if you only play NFL, right? So we have different tiers at Roto-Grinders. You can go sport by sport, or you can buy the whole thing as premium and get all the sports uh, so we can tailor it to whatever you want. Um, looks like Higby and Fent tied for the highest uh, rostered tight end at the moment. So they were actually, they're, they're the guys I like on DraftKings. 100% of snaps for a tight end. You don't really see that. Then you got Matt Stafford chucking you the ball in a dome against Indianapolis. That sounds pretty great to me. So I like Higby over Fant. Fant was playing. Uh, there's no way I can pronounce uh, the other Albert, type. Alberto. Albert <laughs> yeah, Alberto is what we'll stick with. Uh, they were playing a lot of snaps together. So give me the guy who's on the field basically all the time. That is Tyler Higby. Uh, I like him. I, I do. I think you can. Gronk is definitely my favorite tournament play because they're just huge home favorites is one of the big over the course of many years of DFS. That's one of the biggest things that gets big tight end spike production. Now we saw Gronk do it in week one. So maybe it feels like chasing, but Tom Brady loves himself. Some Rob Gronkowski and Rob Gronkowski, he looks ready to play um, for he had a full off season. Uh, and if people aren't going to be paying for him because they're playing Higby and Fant or they're playing James O'Shaughnessy after you move his ownership from 0.2 to 0.3 Ian, uh, I think <laughs> Rob Gronkowski looks really good. I think you could probably even play him in cash, but I think he is a much better tournament play because I, I sort of like to match the field at tight end. And I think that's probably going to be Higby this week. Um, anything else really standing out for you? I guess we can talk a little bit of defense. You got any couple of defenses this week? They, they did make it, you know, you, there's not like the 2K defense like we had with Atlanta last week. 
what are we what are we looking at at that position I still think Philly is a very reasonable cheap defense sitting down there at 2400 out of all these you know you'd have to go up to I think the Chargers at 2600 to find another defense that like might actually just be good Mm -hmm. uh you know like as bad as Atlanta's offense was last week we gotta give the Eagles some credit for making them look that way and being all over Matt Ryan and you know Jimmy G hey the guy has you know a great regular season winning record and all that we also see what happens when he gets pressured and thrown off his spot usually not good things so I mean we have seen some Garoppolo just turnover filled games in the past I'm not exactly going to crown the guy for you know taking the Lions to the woodshed uh last week so eagles at 2400 and i think it you know kind of adds up a little because we want to uh stack our running backs with the defense you know for that game script and it can add up for jalen hurts when he runs as much as he does uh, mm-hmm. in a sense with the eagles as well and we also talked earlier about miles sanders potentially being someone going a little bit under the radar based on how his role is shaping up so i think there's a lot of possibilities with that eagles d down 2400 yeah, cash for me, I think uh, it's probably going to be the Steelers or the Browns for me. Steelers looking at 3K on DK. Not that I needed Josh Jacobs out to, I don't, I don't know, that might even be an upgrade for the Raiders offense because I don't be. think I don't think Josh Jacobs is great. I don't think Kenyon Drake's really great either. But I just, you know, the, the Raiders offense. though, you know. Yeah, the Raiders offensive line uh, is, is banged up quite a bit. And that Steelers defense looked about as legit as you could do against Josh Allen week one with a ton of pressure. So that looks pretty good at 3K. The Browns, of course, against Houston. You just, this Houston running offensive juggernaut, it's not going to keep lasting. So there will be some possibilities to get some sacks here. But I do worry against teams against Houston because they've come out a million times said, we want to run the football. It does decrease the amount of times to get sacks and interceptions. You're not really going to get interceptions too often against Tyrod Taylor, but you can sack them a couple of times and they're 3,500 big home favorites. That looks pretty good. Tournament, you said the Eagles. I'm going to throw, I'm looking through, I haven't really looked at defenses too much this week. The ultra cheap end, other than the Eagles, doesn't look all too appealing to me. So I would probably be paying up to maybe be contrarian doing something like the Patriots uh, against the Jets. The, The Jets offensive line is in shambles. We've got the Patriots defense projected to just be on 3% of rosters right now. Maybe that moves up a tick. But I don't think there's like a chalk D this week, really. I mean, I I think the Steelers, I think the Steelers, we've got, um, we've got the Saints at 3,100 at Carolina. I would take Pittsburgh at home for a hundred less, I think, over against Las Vegas than the Saints on the road against Carolina. Right? But even, yeah, but like even the Steelers, like last week, I felt like the Falcons were looking at like 30%. I'm not yeah. sure what it ended up at, but like it was insane. I just feel like even the Steelers this week might be a little uh, more there. So, which is good. I mean, just pick, pick the best plays. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's good about do it. You can find all of Ian's stuff over on pro football focus, check out the pro football fo- focus pod feed as well to, if you want, uh, if this show is great, and you like listening to Ian, you can listen to him basically every single day on the Pro Football Focus Pod. Uh, subscribe to YouTube here on Roto-Grinders. Check out the Roto-Grinders podcast feed. Go check out Jock Market. Just a, a lot of fun stuff happening in DFS. I'm looking to have a fun week too. Ian, it's been great, dude. See you next week uh, here on the Pro Football Focus Pod. For Ian, I'm Britt. Thanks for watching, everybody, and we out, you.